Hello, I'm Ben Lindsay, CEO and founder of Power the Fight, and welcome to Power Talk, talks that empower you to impact youth violence in your context. Power Talks are short, powerful interviews from leading youth violence experts, spreading new ideas and sharing best practice. Today we have British broadcaster, producer, director and columnist Jasmine Dottawala and UK award-winning rapper and author Governor B. We asked the question, is real music the blame for the increase in youth violence in the UK? Welcome to Power Talks. Uh, would you guys just like to introduce yourselves before we, we kick off? Ladies first. Before <laughs> ladies. <laughs> um, I'm Governor B, a rap artist and an author. And I'm Jasmine Dottiwala. I'm a multimedia broadcaster that works mainly in television, but also dabbles in radio, print and digital press. Thank you for your time. I'm really excited to have both of you here. And uh, today, I just want to really talk about music and youth violence. Uh, what you'd see in the press, what you see in the media, is that a certain type of music is to blame for the increase in youth violence, not just in London, but across the UK. Uh, genres such as drill, and grime and UK hip-hop come into the mix. Um, I think a couple of questions to start off. First of all, can you give us a definition, if you can, of what drill, grime, UK hip-hop is? And then also, do you think this is part of the reason why we've got this big increase in youth violence? Huge question. Yeah, easy question just to start off with, yeah. I guess essentially drill is a sub-genre of rap. Um, it's the sound of the streets birthed in Chicago. And as you may have heard, the streets of Chicago aren't the safest. Um, so it's a lot of kind of raw lyrics about their environment and how they grew up. And it's kind of traveled over to different countries and different boroughs and really popular in the UK now. Okay. And hip hop and rap music has for, since its birth for a couple of decades, always been up in the dock in court for being responsible for all the ills that happen in life. Basically, anything which a black man with a microphone does to a rap track is going to be the cause of all roots of evil. And we've seen this over two decades. You know, I was a part of the scene when it when I was on The Word in the 90s and people like Snoop and Eazy-E were coming up and, you know, we'd have interviews with them and they were literally just telling you the stories of their environment, which is the explanation that everyone gives to us. And, you know, even back then, my generation was growing up on punk music and rock music. And I can name you songs and artists from the punk and rock era that talk about abuse, rape, suicide, all sorts of outrageous things. Murder, killings, strangulation. People don't hold up those artists or those music genres up and ask them to justify what their lyrics and their music is about. But every time it's a young black person with a microphone, it's automatically seen as aggressive and responsible for everything else in the world. Agreed. However, we can't ignore the fact that there have been some links uh, to young people being murdered and this type of music. And we've seen it on YouTube, we've seen violent lyrics which have actually played out to young people losing their lives. We've seen these lyrics being caught up in in court cases. We've got some very big, well-known DJs in the UK who seem to be promoting this stuff. Are we basically saying there is no link between the murders, the media making a big deal about it? I think the important thing to say is that it's not the root of youth violence. And if we want to abolish youth violence, then you need to go to the root way before any music is 
even created. I personally think the root is purpose. I remember waking up in the morning and not really knowing why I was here and what to do with my life. So because of my environment, I'd end up getting to no good. And then I found my purpose in life and now it's harder for me to get distracted because I know why I'm here. But if we want to manage the problem, then it goes without saying that some rap music and a lot of draw music doesn't necessarily help the youth violence issue. It kind of adds to it. Um, but that's still a byproduct of a root issue. And to pick up on that, I would say not just purpose, but you, purpose is the main thing, but opportunity, because yeah. you can have purpose, but if you don't have the opportunity, yeah. you will never get yourself down making a positive choice and positive life choices. Mm. And the thing I would say to your question is, when it comes to young people who are lost and making bad decisions in their lives, the music is at the very end of that path, right? No young person starts thinking, I'll carry a knife, I will be violent on the streets. Society and we adults have let them down, right? We have taken away from them opportunities to own their own homes. We've taken away from them, you know, great job prospects. They have zero-hour contracts now that they have to deal with. We're not as diverse and as inclusive as we should be in all genres. We've taken away police off the streets. We haven't given them youth clubs to go to. There are so many things in that safety net that my generation had that young people these days don't have. So my generation, we grew up on all sorts of violence, whether it was in movies, music, all arts and culture forms. But we didn't go down that way because we still had the purpose and opportunity on our doorstep. Now, you've taken out all of this with government cuts, and you expect young people to just go around being angels. You know, there's a saying that young people who are living in hell aren't going to behave like angels. And that's the thing that we have to remember. And in that journey where a young person picks up a knife and starts doing that bad stuff on the road, that's the beginning of that journey where the safety net has failed them. Arts and culture and that music is the very end of that road, and it's just the representation of what's happening in their lives. It's not the beginning, and it's definitely not, you know, we would be doing young people a disservice if we thought that we could literally show them a video that was drill music and lyrics, and they suddenly switch from being a good person to going, right, I'm going to kill someone. I mean, young people aren't stupid. You know, they've, you've lost all their purpose, and you've taken away their opportunity, and arts and culture is right at the end of that line. But I, but I remember, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older than Governor B, and uh, some of the things which... Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I remember in, in the 90s, and I was listening to hip-hop, and I was into Biggie and Wu-Tang and various other, and Mob Deep and all these type of hip-hop artists... And I could listen to it, and sometimes you might listen to a Mob Deep trap and you, you be, you're into it. But these guys are in Queens in, in New York. Realistically, I can't relate to what they're going through. But isn't some of the issue now that some of these guys are living on the estates mm -hmm. uh, in, in the same area? They know, young people know the artists, and therefore, does it have a slightly different impact maybe when we were listening to... I think that's a great point because, yes, society has let us down, but it's like, what do we do today? We're in this situation, so how can we make it better? And when you talk about like the DJs and the labels and the facilitators, they're not showing enough of the other side of the coin. So there's artists out there that are saying some really positive things um, on grind beats or rap beats. So I do think if we want to collectively see better environments, now that we're in this mess, those DJs, those labels have to say, look, we're going to help this by showing you the other side of the coin. We're not saying we should censor music and we should just um, 
just like say, oh, all drill music is bad, all that kind of stuff. But we are saying that, look, here's a positive artist that you can listen to. Here's some guys saying some really good stuff. Let's show more of that kind of stuff. And I think that's what needs to happen. We need to share the responsibility. So it's a progress fault then. It's the people who run the record labels. It's the people who are... But it's not their fault because it started from way before that. But it's their responsibility if they want to see a better environment. No, you're right. It's about balance. Like Mm. when I was growing up, we had music that you could be angry to, music that you could make love to, music that you could fight to. Like, we had a good balance. We had Tribe Called Quest, we had De La Soul, we had Most Def, we had Black Star, yeah. but then we also had the other stuff, right? So we had a lot of bands, but we also had R&B, we had soul music. And I think somewhere along the line, R&B and soul music in this country has taken a back seat. And record labels learned that they could sell a lot more which was aggressive, not just in the UK, but actually mainly in the States. This is why people like 50 Cent got picked up. You know, the, and, and, you know, there's been lots of studies and experiments done that show that most hip-hop and rap music that is aggressive, when it was paid for, and when record labels use it as a business, was paid for by white males living out their fantasy gangster adventure you know, excitement. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. (laughs) And so it's all about business. So if that's what's selling and that's what people want to buy, then frankly, that's what record labels and businesses do. But we live in a different era now. So if we've got the internet, there's no reason why with the DIY generation doing what they did for grime and doing what they're now doing for drill, if you have R&B and soul stars, they can also make their route that way. It's about them having a movement together. Is that what what the children are into though? Because... um... The last two young people, as a pastor in a, in, a, in a church in South East London, the last two young people I did memorials for were some of the biggest stars on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So without the record labels, mm. there is something which is going on where... And, I, and some of these young people I've, I, I, I've worked with, I didn't start off doing the real hardcore kind of drill stuff. They started off... Just some of st- They're just trying to rap. There's a, uh, a studio the in, in their estate. They're just doing some bits and pieces. Mm. But as they're getting bigger and they're getting more mm. renowned, they feel they need to go harder. Now, my thing is that we're not seeing anybody come in and say, you don't have to go down a particular route, especially if that's not your, your environment. But so many young people are doing it. So There is a lack of, of role models. Um, but to go back to the previous point before that, I think... We get to this point where we agree that young people need to stop losing their lives and there needs to be more positive music. But then when the money gets involved, people don't care enough. It's like, I'd rather make more money than see peace on my streets, if you know what I mean. And when you say there's a lack of role models, do you mean musically? No, musically, just generally. loads of great role models. Generally, when young people are growing up in London, when I think about when I grew up on, on my estate, there was many more kind of negative role models. I looked up to the drug dealers or the guys that had the nice cars or were making but illegal remember, money. But remember, there were role models out there. You just probably didn't see them. Because even when but you were growing up, themselves. there were lawyers, there were doctors, there were inventors, relatable, there were internet. Role models. But the thing is, you and me, you're in, Jasmine, you're in media though, right? So let's, yeah. just, be, let's just be real. Yeah. How many positive black role models do you see on television where, you know, we do see the doctors and we do see the lawyers. You're saying that they're there, but I don't know what it's like growing up. I, I never, you know, um, I've, I can't even think of one positive black UK role model on TV. I can think of, I can't even mention Moira Stewart, <laughs> Trevor McDonald, yeah, Trevor know. Nelson, yeah. Brenda Romanus. I could list 
Hundreds. But some of those people as a teenager, yeah. I wasn't really checking for. Yeah. I think that's, the, that's the, the point. Problem. So I don't doubt that they're there. Yeah. But the things that are appealing to me as a young person is Kano's on TV and he's sick and he's doing real positive things. But Kano and he was on corner. TV. Yeah, but... It's like the lawyer or the doctor, I don't really care about them. Because, because we not... haven't made it trendy for young people to want to have careers in other industries because, of course, it's that whole get rich or die trying mentality mm. with the sexy lifestyle. Right. So basically, if you can be the footballer or the rapper mm. or the pop star, naturally, we've made reality TV feel like mm. this is a get rich... And now it's Quick changing a little thing. bit because even like you look at label CEOs and you've got people like Twin or Glyn and we're seeing that there's and they're other... they're great role models. They're amazing role models, but they're still not enough. So we need to make sure that that kind of... It's about shining a light on them, by yeah. the way, because we talk about people like Ricky and Glyn and mm. Twin and all these guys. If you're in the music industry, you know these guys exist. Yeah. But actually, a, we've also mentioned a lot of men. There are loads of women, yeah. just like recently we had a BBC Women's Hour power list for the 40 top women in the UK in music. Actually, it wasn't only in the UK, it was all over over the world. But in that, there were at least 10 women of colour from the grime and Afrobeat scene all up in that list. Mm. So it's about us shining a light on them yeah. and letting younger people see, hey, that could be me. Because yeah. you can't be what you can't see. Uh, and that's one of my favourite... I like to say that quite a lot, but we still can't get away from the point. A friend of mine who runs a, a youth organisation started doing a study of how many... of the youth murders we've seen over the last few years um, are connected to being in music, whether that is drill or grime. And he had to stop the study because it was getting to the point where it was too heartbreaking. It was something like 60% of the people he was seeing, they had some type of uh, career, if you want to call it, on YouTube. So I hear what you're both saying, but we can't get away from the fact that there seems to be a link between some young people being murdered from this stuff and some of the music. I don't doubt that at all. I completely agree. The only thing I'm worried about is if we look at the landscape of, let's say, black UK music, urban music, whatever we, we want to call it, the number of deaths directly related to songs and lyrics, I don't know what the percentage is. It's probably less than 10% if we look at the whole landscape. I think that every single life is important, so that is definitely something that we shouldn't just skip past, and we need to take responsibility for that. But to say that, such a heavy blame is on music, I think is unfair, yeah. in my opinion. But should the DJs be accountable? So when I think of the genres, the popular genres of music, let's take hip-hop, mm. um, let's take grime, and let's go way back and let's even take reggae. Mm -hmm. uh, the three DJs who are uh, at the top of the field in those genres happen to be white male. Um, when I think when I think about some of those guys, and uh, some people would argue that there is a little bit of an exploitation of mm. black culture, mm. and therefore is that part of the reason why there is no kind of uh, filter leadership and leadership? Uh, do we need to kind of hold some of these guys accountable for what is coming out? The question we need to ask them in the first place is: Do they care? If you put this artist on a platform and he has known um, gang violence lyrics or whatever and it results in someone's death, do you care about it? If they say, yes, we do care, then we can have the conversation, right, well, what are we going to do about it? The problem is, and what I'm finding really annoying at the moment, is people pretend to care, but they don't. Right. And so these DJs are saying, um, like I was watching the Rated Awards and a 
specific DJ said, oh, stop, put, um, put the guns down, put the knives down, guys. And I'm, I'm looking at your show and you're basically putting these artists on a pedestal. This is why I think they realise, they realise that time is catching up with them and the seeds that they've planted are now flowering into deaths. Yeah. So I think that's why they knew that they had to say something because you can't carry on like that. You know, my generation has been holding those DJs account to account for years, but my generation didn't have the internet. Mm. And so the difference is we would be talking personally at dinner parties, in rooms together. It wasn't out there as a movement. Now that you have the internet and people are being held to account with hashtags and things, people can get away with it less and less. Mm. You know, when you think that you might be accountable for people's lives, that's a big, deep thing. And of course they're going to change their messaging because if they don't, they're going to be out soon because yeah. you can only carry on that lifestyle for, a, you know, a little so, while. What are some of the things we, could, we can do moving forward where we still have young people being creative and still having those avenues and those channels for creativity, um, but at the same time as some type of social responsibility. And I'm not advocating for censorship. I don't think that is ever should ever be in music. Mm. But one of the, one of my situations is that I'm driving my my daughter to nursery, and I'm scared to put on some of these radio stations because when I've done it in, in the past, I'm hearing stuff. I don't need my my, my six year old and my three year old. Like, it's yeah. eight in the morning. Mm. It's like you know. I'm like, well, whoa. Where's... The answer to that is when I when I was at MTV and I was heading up a couple of the MTV channels. I would be in the same position as you going, oh my God, I can't believe that's just played and it's before the watershed at 9pm and what's going on? And I'd run across to the legal team and I'd go to them, how come you just played that? Do you know, not know what that line means? And they'd go, no. And so frankly, it's about having more people like us yeah. who understand the slanguage that happens in musical lyrics and are in those platforms. So we can say to people, you might not think wet you up is something violent, but actually I need to tell you about but that. But haven't we just said that some of the people, you just mentioned some names of some black people who are at the top of their field in A&R and managing mm -hmm. uh, labels and uh, various streaming sites, yet this stuff is still getting through. I think fundamentally, moving forward, people need to pick a side and the sides need to be, right, we want this to stop and we want to do everything within our power to stop it. And the other side could be, uh, oh, no, I have to mind. tell you that there is, it's, it's good timing right now because there is a group that has come together mm. because of what's going on. And the, it is the music scene. And they have come together and we are elders. And we do say, are we accountable for some of this? Should we be taking a leadership role because of the things that are happening? Because in the past, I've been quite staunch in saying it's not to do with the music, it's just mm. to do with social and political safety nets that have been whipped from underneath young people's feet. But actually, at some point, you have to go, ah, actually, yeah. this is a culture I love, I've grown up on it, it's you know, given me a lifestyle that I can only be thankful for, but mm. at what point do we say we are also accountable as leaders to make some decisions on how things happen in the future? So there's a group of just under 20 people all over the industry who yeah. have come together to that. basically yeah. try and think about what that should look like. But, you know, also, I don't think it's about ever asking the gatekeepers who work with music artists to say you should only make clean lyrics. No, it's, it's not, not about, about that, it, because yeah. there will always be explicit versions. As I mentioned, there are in rock and pop and punk, and there always have been. And there are as many deaths on the internet with young people listening to those other mm. genres, by the way, but you won't 
hear about those because someone will just say, oh, she took a drug overdose, but it wasn't to do with the music she was listening to, by the way. Yeah. You know, so it's about balance and just thinking about what we do. But um, where was I going with this, Fred? Where was I going? 20 people have come together. Yes, I told you that. Oh, yeah. So I was going to say, it's not the creators and the people around them and their teams that should only be making clean, positive music. Mm. It's about people like me who are in those companies, at the YouTubes, at the MTVs, at Capital Extra and One Extra going, actually, that's a line that shouldn't be played before 9pm. Why have we got that? You know, I've gotten myself into trouble um, about 10 years ago now when I asked a very big artist to send me a clean version of his track at the time because he was blowing up funny enough we're friends now but he wrote a diss track about me afterwards because wow. no one had explained to him the 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 music landscape yeah. no one had explained to him that we can't have you saying this before 9 p.m on mtv therefore you need to deliver us a clean version of your track and so does jay-z by the way no one had said that to him so naturally he thought i'd called him in and was going oh you're trying to blackball me you're trying to make me change my music and i'm like thinking if people in their teams had given them that education we wouldn't have had all these scenarios and it's the same thing yeah. with young people now if they want to be on tv they want to make industries <coughs> and careers via music yeah. understand the rules of the music game see i think that's the key going forward obviously we're in this position now and we can point fingers until we're blue in the face but you've used your position to say look i'm going to look in the mirror and i'm going to do what i can to help this and i think if everyone takes that approach then we'll be in a much better place i think it's a really good point about <clears throat> people coming together and being able to educate uh people and trying to work out what's going on. I remember when I used to run a record label a few years ago and some very big artists who have made it now, uh, originally when we came together, we were able to really talk about some of the lyrics. So the version of tracks which eventually came out were not the same when we first were in the studio, but being uh, five, six years older than some of these guys, we were able to say, look, that lyric is not really what you want to do. It feels like there's a bit of a disconnect there. And I think we said it earlier on, there's a the elder states person does not seem to be around. Also, you can become a star overnight now with the internet, so you don't necessarily need a team. You can put out a track, record it the day before, and it just blows up. So you might have had to jump through a few more hoops before that happened. Mm. Although there's always been a bit of that. I remember at MTV, there would be a track that just suddenly Mm. kicked off because the street loved it and it was being played by DJs at parties. And even though we would have never supported that act or the video because it was <laughs> awful, yeah. we had to play it. We were mm. forced to because anything that's popular with the people yeah, yeah. has to get that airing. The speak. Yeah. Um, a lot of the things we're doing at Powderfire is trying to educate the average person, whether that's people in faith groups, community groups, churches, uh, arts organisations. We're saying that anybody who comes front-facing with this type of issue, youth violence, engaging with young people, families could be part of the answer. Um, many people listening or watching this will be thinking, do you know what, this is a new thing to me. I remember when, my, when I was younger, my mum would always question what I was listening to. I used to do a bit of DJing and remember playing Snoop and she was asking, what did he actually say? And I had to be accountable. I was like, okay, this is what he's saying. I'm praying that you don't actually understand what he's saying, but we're asked. What would you say to parents? What would you say to... Uh, carers who are trying to navigate through youth culture around music, is there anything you could be like, you know what, you need just to look out for this, this is maybe, it's not like necessarily giving people advice, but I think people do need guidance. I think people do need some type of navigation. When you were younger, don't you remember we had really outrageous, explicit, sexy tracks? And 
Yeah, of course <laughs> you don't. Of course. I remember one particular song that started my neck, my back. Those are the kind of songs we listen to in school and then we get older yeah. and then we think, ah, oh, it means that. Right. But my point is, there was so much But nobody was dying to that stuff, though, were they? I no, mean, no, but then there were also lots of American rappers that were talking about shooting each other up all the time. And sometimes they did, and a couple of big rappers died. You know, it's just that that culture has shifted across the Atlantic, as everything does now. And, you know, it's a bit of, like I said, you have to safeguard that young person to make sure there's lots of other positive influences in their lives. Yeah. Because actually, you know, you are the five, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Yeah. So if your young person is spending loads of time with people who are not making good life choices and not positive choices, well then, hello, if you're on your, if you're a busy parent and you're on the phone all day and you're not <coughs> spending time with them, you're not taking them out and opening their eyes to opportunities yeah. of the world, they're going to fall into the hands of those guys who will yeah. want them. As well as safeguard your child as well. Like, I remember growing up on my estate, we were all family. So my mum's mate, like, five doors down, if she saw me doing something that I shouldn't be doing, she'd put her arm around me and tell me to fix up where. I feel like these days, there's not as much of that stuff going on. The community and the villages. The community, yeah. Well. The villages. Well, actually, I love that village, as, as my friend always says, but what about if the villages burnt down? And that is... Well, it has burnt down. Because the government kids, yeah. stopped parents smacking their kids. So, mm. you know, the old worry about the belt. Like, it used to be normal. Have you done something wrong? Go and choose the belt that you're about to be whacked with. And now, I'm not advocating child <laughs> violence. But in my generation, that would be yeah. an in-joke. You know, yeah. you'd go and see comedians going, um, you know, saying, I'm going to beat my child. And they'd be like, I'll call child line for you. And, you know, that was yeah. a part of the culture. But things have changed. You know, there is too much child abuse out there. So we don't hit our kids anymore. And I'm not advocating that. But, you know, there does need to be... There it's does need to be... Other, um, oh, what's the saying? What's the saying? Spare the child. The rod. Spare, yeah, that's it. <laughs> what's the whole, whole... Spare the rod and... Spare the rod and... <laughs> The child will be alright. The child is, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. basically, with the young people yeah, yeah, yeah. and give them opportunities, show them positive... Yeah. You know. The other thing I'd say as well is what the media have done subconsciously, or consciously, some would argue, is demonise everyone that has bought into our culture. And I just want to say that if you actually have a conversation with a lot of young people that like a certain kind of music or a certain kind of culture, they're great people deep down. So don't be scared to, to build community. Don't be scared to have conversations. If you see a guy walking down the street with his hood up, maybe he's just cold. So like, yeah. Don't think but he's got a knife Let's anymore. just be real, right? I mean, I was, I was in... Um, I went on holiday um, over the summer. I went to North Wales and, um, you know, farm and mountains and all that type of thing. And I'm sitting there and I thought, oh, let me just turn the TV on. And there was a documentary... Mm. Um, in fact, it was Newsnight, and I think you were on... You, you, right. yeah, it's you. <laughs> so you were on Newsnight, and you were talking about this stuff, and um, there was a little bit of a documentary about drill. Yeah. And I thought to myself, my goodness, if I was in North Wales, where I don't see black people, and I'm watching that on national TV, scared, yeah. I'm going to be scared of black people. Yeah. I was nervous now. I'm thinking, oh, boy, I'm walking out now. But this is what the media have done, right? And so people look at black people or if you like drill music or hip-hop. Is the media done it or are the media reporting what's happening? I just feel like the That's media are not... My big thing, right, is show the other side of the coin. Yeah. yeah, and I always do try and show the other side of the coin. So what I say to people is, often when I interview, and I've interviewed rappers for 
20 years, mm. most of the things that they're talking about is a cry for help, mm. right? The bravado, the hyper-masculinity, it's all really toxic. And it makes their relationships top- toxic with their partners. It makes their relationship toxic with their children. And then that legacy goes down to the next generation. Mm. And usually when young men are rapping about anything violent or what they're going to do to each other, mm. it's a cry for help. They're frustrated. They're scared often. They feel like they have to come out and be hyper masculine and, and and that's changing i see it changing like at afropunk i um I chaired a debate with lots of young men all about defining masculinity and the younger generation are really smart right now yeah. they're changing things the way they think the way they feel about women the way they feel about women at carnival yeah. it was it was amazing well that's a really good point i mean um your music and the, and the things that you're known for has always been let's just say spiritual, Christian, uh, churchy, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, gospel. And it feels like once upon a time, going back into hip hop and back in the 90s, there might be like one gospel track on a really hardcore album. It'd be like, I remember like a DMX album, I think he even did like a gospel album once. I was like, whoa, this is a new way of doing gospel. Do, do you feel like things are changing? That there's certain artists, I might name some, but there's some where I'm thinking, actually, actually probably Stormzy's the biggest one. Where yeah, you're thinking, definitely. okay, you've got a track like you know, "Blinded by Your Grace," yeah. and it's, and we're seeing a lot more tracks. I've just listened recently to the, the the new Ghetto album, and you're like, oh, okay, gets in his own way. There is a lot of spirituality coming through. Is this something we're seeing? Do you think it's a sea change? Yeah, hundred percent. I think the last two years, especially, has been amazing for me because bigger artists like Chance the Rapper has put out a track called "Blessings" or "Storms You've Done Blinded by Your Grace," and people are more comfortable with being themselves. They don't feel like, oh, I have to be this hard man that doesn't have a relationship with God or doesn't want to be a positive person. And I think that that's an amazing thing. And that's the other side of the coin that I keep talking about. I'm like, there's people here that are really passionate about making people think and helping young people reach their potential through the arts and the culture. And this is the stuff that we need to shine more of a light on. Mm. And you know, the gospel genre music could be so much bigger in this country if we didn't label it just gospel. Yeah. Because the reason, you know, people like DMX and Stormzy have just snuck that record on there and no one's questioned it is because no one's called it gospel, Mm. right? It's just another song on the album. Yeah. But remember, in the UK, with Ofcom rules, we have such strict guidelines on religion, you know, alongside everything else, product placement, violence, smoking, drinking. Religion is something that people are scared to touch. So if you suddenly go, this is a gospel song or a gospel hit, people go, whoa, well, yeah. we're touching on, is that Christianity or is that Judaism? Is it Catholicism? You know, and suddenly it's like, well, we better not touch that. So yeah. I often wonder whether we shouldn't, yeah, you so know. Even just for me recently, in the last couple of years, the kind of gospel tag has been dropped and I've seen more opportunities and sold more records and well, that kind of stuff. Well, soul music is gospel. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. but people aren't afraid of the tag soul. So Gospel's actually... Band, yeah. right? It's the only genre that's defined by its content rather than its style. Um, so I do agree. Um, as long as the music is positive and there's depth there, then I think that's the main thing. So. Gospel singers are best singers in the world. but And they'd all be much yeah. more successful and famous if it wasn't labelled. Because people are scared of labels. Yeah. They have assumptions and then they pull away. But isn't this a bit... I mean, this is, you know, isn't it a little bit of contradictory to have uh, you know, 90% of the album is I'm, I'm, I'm shot into this and I'm doing this with this girl and I'm 
X, Y, and Z. But you got that one gospel track. You got that one gospel track. <laughs> but so isn't we're that good. really honest? Aren't we all human? We're Absolutely. not all bad and we're not all good. Mm. And I think actually, when you do have that balance, it shows that actually young rappers and MCs are just as human as everyone else. Otherwise, you hold them to this unattainable, unattainable standard. And then when they do something wrong, we all. Yeah. you know, stone them down. I think, yeah, life's, life's a journey and a lot of artists and celebrities are having to live out their lives in the public forum. So we need to have grace for them to go through their journey. And if they're with no gospel tracks on their last album and now there's one, that's a step forward, you know? And yeah, I just think we all got to try and be the best versions of ourselves. And we know the artists that um, are at the level that we think they're at or at the spirituality level that we think they're at. But with a lot of these these gram artists and drill artists and hip-hop artists, I think a lot of them are trying to just get better as they go along and, and just deal with life A lot of them are trying to survive. Mm. A lot of them are just... You know, the one yeah. thing I will always say is, even if you start off making music that's wilding out, as soon as you taste success and you've had success for a bit, you always come back to neutral. Does that make yeah. sense? You always yeah. come back to neutral. All the artists that were once outrageous and their lyrics were crazy... Once they've lived the other side of life and life is good and it's positive, you find that most of their music then becomes slightly different. But there's some other... But yes, I've, I have seen that. But also, I've, I've also been surprised recently certain award ceremonies we've, we've, we know of where violence has, has come with that. And you think, my goodness, actually, have you changed? Some of the things I've seen and you, you read of uh, artists getting caught up in, in, in knife crime and this type of stuff, and is it that there is so much money in a way. So I remember Soul Solid, for example. A lot of people talk about, oh, this is a new thing. But I remember in 2000 when Soul Solid got to number or 2001 when they got to number one uh, with 21 seconds and you're like, oh, okay. And But because I'm from London, I also know some of the other stuff that goes on with that. And uh, there was, you know, Asher D got done for the for carrying a gun and all these types of stuff. So we know that you can't always separate what's going on in your life with what is then on top of the pops. And then I kind of see it repeating itself a little bit. Who, how can we help? How can we help some of these artists? Because there's other artists we know who've had number ones and number one albums and they're now in prison. Mm. Remember pop who? stars, most pop stars are mentored. They have development deals. Mm. They often come from a privileged background. Mm. You know, working class people. We don't know what showbiz is about. Until we're in it and we've been working in it for a few years, mm. we don't know what the rules and regulations are. We don't know how people are there to support us. So I think it's about mentoring people. If everyone looked out for just one other person, life would be so much better. You know, I mentor hundreds of young people. I train lots of young people, both in music and in media. And lots of them have come from challenging, marginalised backgrounds. You know, I've had guys who have trained with me to be working in TV production crews and had tags on their legs and they've had to get home for a certain time. But, you know, six months down the line, they're a floor manager at a news show on television because you've given them an opportunity and a yeah. skill. You know, someone who said to me, I can only DJ because music is the only thing I know. And then they've come and trained with us and we've done a different week every week. So you can see the pictures behind you. We'll show all our programmes and stuff. But we have weeks where we'll train people in filmmaking, radio, music labels, off-common compliance, marketing, advertising. I've got young guys who thought they only could make fashion T-shirts because that's what they sold online, right? And now this guy's working in marketing at Dentsu Aegis, one of the biggest marketing companies in the world. It's about showing young people they have transferable skills and yeah. there are opportunities out for them. And so much in this country is free. 
There's free training everywhere. And diversity and inclusion is the thing that people are talking about most. So now is the time for young people who think there's no opportunity out there to actually just go online and check it out. There's so much. And you've got to imagine you've been conditioned a certain way for 14, 15 years. All you know is street life. And all of a sudden, you find something you're good at and you're very successful at it. You're still going to have your default behavior, even though you're in the boardroom with CEOs and guys in suits or whatever. So, yeah, I agree. You need so people that... I had mentors. So I met people at 15 years old that were committed to making sure that I reached my full potential and was the best person that I could be. Before that, it was my parents wanted me to be the best I can be. But then I'm out on the estate, I'm out of school where people don't really care about me reaching my full potential. When I met those people, my youth leader and the guys that really wanted to invest in me, I'd be on the estate, I'd be at school, but at the same time, I'd spend time with these guys, I'd spend time at home, and they just wouldn't stop till they saw me develop. And And look at that, your testament, youth leader, right? And when I say to people, you shut down youth clubs, they go to me, oh, 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 you think if we bring back youth clubs? And it's like, really? We were all latchkey kids. Many of us came from one-parent families. If I didn't have girls' brigade, Sunday school, the church next door taking me on summer camping trips, Mm. I could have been one of those stats. And that's a really interesting point. A lot of the work we're doing are with faith groups and, and churches. Just finally, what would you say to some of those groups um, who are thinking, you know what, we can engage with this issue, but we don't really know where to start? I mean, you mentioned Girls Brigade, I went to Boys Brigade, hated the uniform. Marched up and down the road in our uniforms, played recorders in school. Done all that type of stuff, but what, you know, um, what type of things do you think some of these groups can can add? Get your hands dirty, man. Like, I bought something at Ikea the other day and it didn't have the manual. And I just had to work it out, man. And I ain't got the manual to do it, but I'm going to get my hands dirty. I might get it wrong, but it got built in the end. And I think that's, that's all I'd say. Just get your hands dirty. Do you know what? I always say it's about communication. If you don't talk to people, you will never come to an understanding or a compromise. Often people in life shut people out because they don't understand them or they're threatened by them or they're ignorant or they're scared. Usually it's fear. We don't talk to other people because we go... What is he about? Oh, my Mm. God, he's not my lifestyle. He doesn't come from my world. I'm just not going to speak. And you see it on social media. And you see it on YouTube, you know? You see that people go, you know, people like Piers Morgan say to other people, you know, come on the show and I will talk to you. And then, um, what's the actor's name that refused to go on to talk to him because of his stance on the women's movement? You know, if they'd have had the debate and the talk, they probably would have realised that they had an understanding. But usually there's just a beef and I thought you meant this and you thought I meant that. We're not going to talk and forever we will be enemies. So it's just about talking. So if there are church groups or elders, they just need to talk to young people. Why do you do that? What do you want to do? How can we help you get to that next stage? People just need to feel it. Piers Morgan's always like, yeah, come to me. But he needs to go to them sometimes and that breaks down a barrier in itself. So meet young people where they're at, I'd say. Yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, this has been great. It's been excellent. I'm learning some stuff like the fact that you were dissed on a record, that's pretty impressive. You've I mean, never known I that. I didn't know that. So that's, you know, you kind of made it. When yeah, you know, that, I was like actually, a ghetto superstar. That's, that's incredible. Um, any final words on this subject which you feel like you'd like to communicate, I mean, around music, around drill, around youth violence? Is there any, I mean, for example, just to add in, you were part of the Youth Violence Commission and um, you've obviously been engaging with, like, central government around some of this issue. I don't know if there's anything you want to say on that or just any final comments really. Do you know what? When it comes to music and young people, we've spent our whole last few years saying to young people, don't be violent. 
don't be aggressive. And actually, of course, that message doesn't get through to them because they live in a world where all these different unmanageable scenarios are happening. And frankly, it's like oil and water. Our message and their lifestyle isn't going to mix. And the thing that I always say to people and young people is, what do you understand? And young people who are wanting to be successful in music understand money, right? Mm. It's about your paper. And actually, with the Youth Violence Commission and the 696 form, which we campaigned to get rid of, which was a form that stopped young rappers performing all over the country. The Mets is called the 696 form, but all around the rest of the country, they have their own um, form. As soon as that form gets back in, you will not be able to make your living with music performing live at festivals. As, as You know, it's taken years for black British rap stars to be on festivals and mainstream shows. And young people probably don't even remember because they weren't born. But when I was younger, you would have never, that would have been all American rappers. It would have never been British names. And it's taken us all this time to build the brand and the genre and the culture. And they're at festivals and they're killing it in the charts and we couldn't be prouder. But if that 696 form comes back in because there's violence everywhere, those young people who think they're going to make a living doing live music, even if it's at the local nightclub, they're not going to because the police form will shut you down. And the police have a point because they're going to go, well, we scrapped the 696 form and someone nearly died. So it's back. So if you understand a message, you understand your money, your paper, changing your family's lives via the money that your music's going to bring you. So ultimately, you're going to mess it up for everyone. That's a fair point. Any final comments? Just provide people with as many opportunities as possible to live out their purpose. Just waking up and having something that you're here for and knowing you've got a job to do um, is what I'd say. So any way in which you can help someone find their purpose, live in their purpose, reach their full potential, let's try our hardest to, to do that. The government invests millions in this country in young people. Arts training, media training, theatre training, fashion training. Like, find out where that money is because it's all over your local borough. There are opportunities everywhere. As soon as young people reach out or look online, they will see that there's training that can get them in into jobs, into training, and they don't have to live that lifestyle. That's very true. Well, thank you for your time. You're both, in different ways, heroes of mine. So I really appreciate your time. And, um, yeah, let's just keep talking. I really want people to understand that there are many different ways that we can impact uh, the youth violence issue. So thank you for your time. Thank you.